0: Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. We want Jesus to be the message in everything we do. We are those who look to Him. Now, here's David Perkins. Jesus, we love you, and God, we thank you for what you're doing, and God, we just thank you that we get to be followers of you. We thank you that we get to see Tim and Channing um, fulfill the the dream and the calling that's on their life to go and uh, and reach people in Mexico. And God, we thank you that you have. A dream, Lord, for each one of us, and that you've called all of us, Lord, to use the spiritual gifts and talents to help make a difference. And we ask that you would, God, use each one of us, God, to help people here in Kansas City and around the world come to know you. We thank you that we get to know you, the privilege and the honor of walking closely with you. We thank you, Lord God, that it's, it's not just trite. It's not just kind of a religious culture. It's really relational, and it's really real. And so we honor you, and we love you, and all of Radiant said amen. Amen. All right, here we go. James chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 3. Here we go. Uh, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. All right, so here James is kind of just laying out a theme that he really hit on strong in chapter one as well, and it's one of the strong themes throughout James is your words. And here we've got really strong the power of the tongue, the power of words, Have you ever had somebody say something to you that was like a sword and it just kind of cut you up? It stabbed you a little bit. And it wasn't like the old adage that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Quite the opposite. It wounded you. It was painful. Or have you ever received a text message that was painful? Have you ever got an email that you just have you ever screenshotted a text message because it was so painful, you were like, surely it's not real, and you wanted to show it to someone, you weren't sure who, but it was just, ah, oh, it just hurt. Or on the flip side, maybe, maybe you've said something that you regret, and you know that there was just that anger on the inside, and, and you thought, maybe if I just say this, it's going to feel good for about 30 seconds, except for that it wounds that person for a long time. Or maybe you've sent the email, and you sat there, should I send, should I not send, should I send? And then you send it, and it had within it death. It had within it pain. It was a jab. It was itself piercing. James here is talking about the reality that our words, our tongue, can be painful. And he uses these illustrations here where he says, okay, it's, it's kind of like a horse, and the horse with the bridle. And the idea is that it's this big, thousand at twelve hundred pound, this massive animal, and yet you can steer it with just the little bit, just just in its mouth. And it's this little tiny bit, but can steer the whole horse or cause it to stop. And he's using three different illustrations here to get the same idea across. Where he's saying, uh, or like a ship, you know, that's massive, huge, almost like a small town on w- the water that floats. But by just a rudder, in comparison to the size of the ship, it steers the whole thing. And everybody on the ship is affected by just where that rudder goes, how the pilot, how the captain, how they decide to move it. And the last illustration that he uses is the spark, the fire. You and I know that even a forest fire can be lit, started, and cause a lot of damage by just a small spark. And the point is this, he's comparing it to your tongue. He's comparing your destiny, your body, your future, your relationships to the damage that can be done with your words, with your tongue. And so the first big idea that he's just hitting really hard is your words have big power, big power. It's not small. It's not kind of a little thing. And we do well to just kind of look at it today and kind of realign our hearts with it and James is kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's real practical. And James is just speaking here saying, guys, you got to get this. You got to really understand that what you speak, what you say, it really matters. Solomon says, similarly in Proverbs 18, he says, the tongue has the power of life and death. So with that tongue, with the way that you talk, it's got the potential, not just for bad, but for some really, really good. So it's got potential to speak life, and you, by using it well, man, you can speak life into people, and you can be life-giving, and we can have a culture around here where where people experience fresh air, fresh life, because you've got literally even where we're going today is the words of God coming through you, and, and you can speak things that create life in people and vision in people and comfort and healing, or... You can speak what ultimately is, is death, and this is a really big deal to our church, and obviously, it's a big deal to James, and Jesus talks about it. It's a big deal that's all through the scriptures, but when we started this church, we wrote out 10 big ideas, and we, put, we called it Radiant Culture, and, and one of the ideas that we put in there right at the beginning is we, bu- uh, we build each other up through constant encouragement, Because this is so critical. If you can have a church where people are cutting and mean and say mean things, and it just will never go anywhere. You won't be able to light up the world. You won't be able to be radiant. You won't be able to be a place where people really see Jesus if our words are filled with death. But if our words are filled with life, then quite the opposite. Everybody loves to be around people that are speaking life. And so just kind of simply, I want to encourage us to take James... Realize the power of your tongue and speak life. One of my favorite people to be around that speaks life is my son Dawson. He's twelve, but Dawson every morning looks at me and says, "Dad, you look so handsome." (laughs) I don't know why, but I just love this kid. I'm not. I'm not kidding. You can astronaut. It's not exaggeration. Every day he's like, "How's the best dad in the world? You look awesome." And so he's really into fashion right now. And so. uh, he often will tell me when my jeans look like they're from the 90s, or um, which is often, uh, including yesterday, and, and, and he'll, he'll speak to me very clearly, uh, uh, you know, in, in encouraging ways, like, like he did today. He looked at me, and he really hated the jeans I had on yesterday, so today, he said, hey, dad, I really like those jeans, and I smirked at him, and I knew, I knew, I knew. and he goes, this looks good, looks, looks better than the ones yesterday, Why? Because he's he's, just—he's—he's got it. He's—he's learned how to kind of speak life, and and I love being around him because he's got that. And my hope and my prayer is that you and I on Sunday morning and in our small groups and man, even even as we serve people and as we serve our city, this summer we're gonna have a day uh, where we just we're just gonna serve our city, and it's gonna be an opportunity to meet people's needs and. In addition to meeting their practical need, how great if we're able to look at people and just speak life and right in the midst of their brokenness, right in the midst of whatever they're going through that's so hard to not only serve them physically with deeds, but actually have a verbal blessing where we're speaking life right into their situation. It's powerful. And James is not messing here. We talked often about how he is the half-brother of Jesus, and, and James often echoes the idea is that we really hear from big brother Jesus. James is strong. He hits this really strong. He's saying it really matters what you say. And so let's all commit today. All right, let's, how, how, how can I, how can you and I commit and just say, I'm going to live that way. Paul says it in Ephesians 4 where he says, do not let any, it's a strong word, do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. <laughs> no pressure. Do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. I mean, Paul and James, you know, sometimes you might wonder if they uh, thought some different thoughts. They agree here. Yeah. They're coming together. And they're saying, it's, 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 it all lines up. This really matters. And so and one of the things in our culture is often to kind of call this cheesy. Oh, yeah, it's kind of cheesy. I want to be real. I want to encourage you to really think through how often under the banner of kind of just being raw and real, we actually speak death. And if we can develop a process by which we go to God first with our angst so that what comes out of us is actually life and not death. So what comes out of you is the life of God, God working through you. So yesterday, uh, Renata and I celebrated 17 years of being married. It's our anniversary. And um, yeah, lucky me. And uh, so the way that I asked Renata to marry me um, on October 9th, 1999, uh, was... uh, So that was the day that I asked her to marry me. We got married May 27th. Uh, But but I took her to the top of the Sears Tower in Chicago, downtown Chicago, and... um, and I actually had lost my voice, so when I asked her to marry me, I didn't even have a voice. I just lip synced it, you know, a little Millie Vanilla, like, will you marry me, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and sorry, that just shows my age. People are like, what's that? What's Millie?" Anyway, um, I got a laugh from Dan. That's cool. Um, <laughs> but but, but we, we got engaged at the top of the Sears Tower, and I just want to illustrate it this way, because when we went to go um, to the top of the Sears Tower, it's... You know, it's massively high. In fact, I pulled some t- statistics. It's, it's 1,450 feet high. Um, in less than a minute, you're that high. Um, super, super, super up there. Tall building. Um, 25,000 people per day go to the top um, to check it out. And So it's, it's massive. It's super high. But here's the intriguing thing. When you go to get on the elevator that goes all the way to the top, you don't get to press the buttons. There's somebody there that's working it for you. <laughs> And uh, and so he's literally taking people up every single day, or taking people down every single day. Here's simple illustration, but I just want to say this: kind of like the elevator worker in the Sears Tower, your words take people up or take people down, and you're either taking them up or you're taking them down based upon your privileged opportunity to speak that day. And so I want us to think really like James talks about, like, let's, let's, let's focus on it. Like, let's just be a church that works on, okay, I'm going to take people up with my words. I'm going to be kind of strategic in the way that, that I talk and intentional so that I can help bring life and not death. So that my words, Proverbs 8, sorry, Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing pierce like swords. And you and I know it's true. You and I know that that, that reality, when someone says something that's right to your core, that it, it, it's challenging. We want to be people that are just like Teflon and it bounces off, but it's painful and it's really hard. And so each one of us, I want us, where we're going to conclude today, is just, we're just going to sign up again with the Lord and say, okay, God, help me. Help me to be a constant encourager, help me to tame my tongue, help me to speak life and not death. Help me to take people up and not down. For me, I, I experienced kind of the contrast of this, um, and I've told you guys uh, many times about some of just my journey and and my challenges, specifically in junior high. But but one of the one of the moments for me in, in seventh grade. Uh, when I was 12 and I was, you know, I was the kid that was super short and went to uh, public school and we had just moved and I didn't have any friends and my sisters were uber cool and hip from day one because they were pretty and cool and I just was the opposite. And, uh, and when we went, um, you know, when we went to, uh, to this public junior high, I remember um, one of my goals, when I, 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 was, I had been a leader back uh, in the town where we'd grown up in and we had moved to Oklahoma City and I went to this public junior high where, uh, in first, your first class, your first hour was called homeroom and, uh, and in homeroom they elected, uh, student government. And so I thought, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that student council. I'm not sure I'm going to make the basketball team or football team or any other team, but man, student council. Okay. I'll try that. Give that a go. And, and, uh, kind of a crazy moment for me because I was, it, it was, we did it in, in honestly the first week of school. And, uh, and so the, the teacher, who uh, his name was Mr. Woosley, and uh, he benched 450 pounds, and he was the ninth grade head coach uh, for football. And uh, he was the man. He was kind of the, the masculine, cool teacher at the school. And, um, and, and I decided to—he he said, does anybody want to run for class rep? There's probably about 35 kids in our class, and I thought I'll go for it. And so me and this other kid, we both we just both volunteer. And so he says, "Tell you what, we're gonna have an election. You guys go in the hall, and we'll take a vote." There was no like, "Here's a little speech." It was just, "We're gonna vote on y'all." And so based on my appearance, I was like, "I don't think I got a chance." Uh, So we went out into the hallway, and we came back in. You gotta remember, I'm brand new to town, brand new to the school. I didn't really have any friends, and and, uh, on the chalkboard. He had written Brian, that was the other kid's name, and then he'd drawn with his chalk a line, and on the other side, he had written the word Alf. (laughs) Now, if you're a kid from the 80s, you know who Alf was. Alf, Alf was a sitcom about an alien that was three feet tall, Ah. and right next to Brian, it said 32, (laughs) and right next to Alf, it said one, like I got a sympathy vote from someone, and, uh, but I just remember it. I just remember the moment. I was like, Alf. Like, like, it was like, whew. I mean, it was, I mean, I'm still telling the story. and I'm an old man, you know, like, it was, I just, it was a zinger. It was just like, what? And, um, and I just remember for me, that was a day where, whew, elevator kind of took me down. Like he took, it was, it was hard. It was, it was challenging. And he laughed and. He was trying to get me to laugh, but I didn't laugh. You know, it was just, just kind of like, what? It's painful. It's... And then contrast that with, and you've heard me say this, but, but my dad, who looked at the same scenario, you know, looked at the same kid who was entering that same situation, and he used to always look at me in that seventh grade season and say, you're a John Wesley. You're a John Wesley. Of course, John Wesley helped lead the Great Awakening was a dynamic preacher of the gospel. And he was 5'3 as well, but uh, he had a powerful call of God on his life. And, and so I remember in that season, you know, you've got different voices. You've got voices that are speaking death, alf. <laughs> you've got uh, some voices that speak life. And the voices that speak life make all the difference. And so for me, I mean, in that season, if you were to go back and kind of think through in a 12-year-old brain, there is, uh, it, it, there is one, you know, there's one that's speaking for me what, what God was speaking to me, right? There's one that's like, it's got the evidence, the, the, it's all wrapped up in what God was trying to get through to me, which was, hey, listen, this is how I see you. You got these issues, but this is, this is, this is the words of life. And we want to be people that, man, when you're at work or Maybe when you're serving here in Radiant Kids, or maybe as we, as we go serve the city, or maybe as you decide to lead a small group, where you have the la- the breath, the life of God coming through your words, and your tongue is actually a vehicle for God to use. And every day, every day you have the opportunity to either take people up the elevator or take people down, and. People all the time, I mean, just for me as a pastor, how often I'm sitting with people and the the interior traffic of their lives has to do with, man, painful scenarios and what people have either emailed or said. And we wanna not only not bring death, but we wanna bring life. And my prayer for us, my prayer for you is that is that we would kind of catch what James is saying here and, and be people that live this out. If, you've, if, you, if you want in your marriage, if you want your marriage to get stronger, get this idea. Because if you inject perpetual words of encouragement and life, where you're taking the elevator up day after day, and you are saying words of life to your spouse, you watch, your marriage is gonna get stronger. If you say, well, you know, I'm just having fun, and you've got that constant sarcastic edge that's kind of set in a compliment, but it's kind of got a backhanded slap to it. It's all wrapped up in sarcasm and a little bit of a dig. You watch. Whether you're talking about parenting or whether you're talking about your marriage, either one, it'll get worse. Your words are powerful. And so not only in the sake of lighting up the world, which is our dream to be a light in this city, and be a light to Mexico, and be a light to the nations, and represent Jesus to our world. But even in the small conversations that you have, just as you're driving down the road, on the phone, thinking through how you're going to respond to that text message, and that person that is just driving you insane, and they don't care. They don't care that they hurt you. And so the temptation is to think, well, since they don't care, I'll just buzz right back and send a zinger right back. Well... Our challenge is, okay, God, my dream is to not have my tongue go the way of the world, go the way of death, but my tongue to actually go the way of life. And the way that Solomon says, you're either going to speak life or you're going to speak death. And so I want to encourage you, just, just work on it. Whatever you work on, you'll get better at And so just make it a decision. As for my my kids, I'm gonna speak life, not death. In my marriage, I'm gonna speak life, not death. As I work in the office, I'm gonna try to speak life and not death. And as you do that, you will not only be mirroring better the salvation that's taken place in your life and the Lordship of Christ in you, you'll not only be attractive to people about who Jesus is, but your relationships will significantly improve because you chose to speak life and not death. And Paul does it with Timothy. 1 Timothy 6.11, I love where he just, uh, older Paul is speaking to young pastor Timothy, and he says, but you, oh man of God, and he's speaking flee immorality, but as he speaks it, he actually kind of gives him a name, but you, oh man of God, and so I just, for me, ever since I had a son, you know, both my boys, I just call him man of God. Like, just man of God, just because I want to just, I want to write that on their hearts. Just want to write that on their soul. It was man of God. Then it became M-O-G, which, you know, man of God, which kind of got ruined with emoji because now i start got my kids emoji, and like <laughs> emoji. And ever since iPhones, that got messed up. But, so I've gone back to man of God. But it's that idea. It's, it's, this is who you are. And so you've got opportunities. We've got opportunities all day long to be the life of Jesus through our words. So here's the big idea. Uh, your words reveal what's in your heart. Look at the way Jesus says it. In Luke 6, he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, uh, a good man brings good things out of goods, out of goods stored up in, the, in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Whew. (laughs) Ha ha. So insert idea. If Jesus says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, the big idea is this. Get full of the right thing. Like that psalm, David says. And now God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Okay, God, out of the overflow of the mouth, no, the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow, out of what's inside my heart, that's what I speak. Help me get good things on the inside so that we graduate from just, I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to bite my tongue. Uh, That's better than nothing. (laughs) And it's better than just like, ah, oh, my grandma did this. We we always been this way, you know. Okay, but better than biting your tongue is transformation on the inside. So, all right, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna meditate on you, and and I want to have on the inside life. So it's not fake; it's real. Sometimes you make a choice because it's your conviction, and your emotion follows, right? But how beautiful is it too when actually someone does curse you and blessing comes back because that's all that's inside of there? That's what we see in Jesus. And that's our, our aim, our goal. Our goal is not to be kind of just religious people that have death on the inside, but we're pretending to have life on the outside. It is actually interior transformation. Where what's going on in the inside is actually what you see on the exterior. There are moments where you say, "Ah, oh, man, I'm not fully sanctified. Yeah, I got to buy my tongue. I get that. There's moments. I got issues. But I, I got, I'm going to get this tongue under control. But we want to move forward to where we have a life-giving word because we have real life moving on the inside. It is the old illustration of whatever you have in the cup When it gets jolted, that's what spills out. If it is a vanilla latte, a vanilla latte comes out. If it is caffeine-free herbal tea on Saturday night, which is what I love, boom, then that's what comes out, right? Whatever is on the inside, when it gets jarred, that's what comes out. And so the dream of followers of Jesus is that, man, we've got... (laughs) we, We walk with Jesus and we know Jesus. And so when you get hit, guess what comes out? Some of the life of Jesus. So... So look at the way Jesus says this. This is, this is wild. Look at this, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus looks at his disciples. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Whoa. Like God speaking through you. (laughs) We're going, all right, not just the tongue That's the spark that lights the forest on fire. Not just withholding it and it's this evil thing. And it is. But you do have the potential for transformation and Jesus even talks about it. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, hey, you know what? You can actually speak the words of God to people. That's weighty. Nah, David, come on now. No chance, man. I'm just kind of doing my life and that's kind kind of extravagant. No, you you just like the disciples you've got the privilege and the opportunity to actually speak to hear what the holy spirit is saying and actually say god words to people like like the word that i needed <laughs> the the one in the season where i was called alf i needed somebody to say you're john wesley even though i had no clue who john wesley was and there was no wikipedia back then i i i needed someone to speak that and it and i'm telling you it's you've got it, you've got the Holy Spirit at work inside of you, and so you've got the privileged opportunity, all right, I can speak the words of God, now here's the scary one, this is the one where we all freak out, but look at what Jesus says to Peter, this is interesting, all right, it's, the, it's, it's in the same text right after the famous moment where Jesus says, you're a rock, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't be able to overcome it. And Peter it seems like Peter's going to be this great leader. And then, and then following it, from that time on, verse 16, Matthew sixteen sixteen, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Ah! You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Whoo. I mean Peter all he's doing is just saying no surely not you it's not going to happen no 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 Jesus it's it's going to be all right I, so, I mean just Peter's just trying to just some words of positivity and Jesus says no you don't have the words of God in mind it's satan <laughs> so I'm just saying this is why I say James little half brother of Jesus he he's got it like cuz in that text where James is hitting it so hard that it's I mean the tongue is I mean, hell and it's death, and I think I think James knows. Hey, it's real, it's real, and even someone as great as this one who was so close to Jesus said something. It's not. It's just. I mean, Peter's just trying the power of positivity here, and Jesus says it's not. It's, that's not with the words of God. That's actually the enemy, and so I just want to encourage us. All right, your tongue's a big deal. Your words matter, and it's weighty. So we wanna make good decisions day after day on how we do it. So we'll end with this. So be slow to speak. Let's just look at what James says in James one because he really hit this strong at the end of James one and then he picked up on it again in James three. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, do not uh, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You can't unsay what you've already said. And so if in anger, you just let it out, it's out. It's like toothpaste, you squeeze it out, you can't put it back in the tube no matter how much you want to, right? It's out, you can't take it back. And so the aim, better than constantly saying I'm sorry, which saying I'm sorry, man, we wanna go there when we mess up, but even better is the first time to speak life instead of death, the first time. And to kind of make it our habit, you know? Like people get around you and it's life. I've got buddies that it's just life. My buddy, John Boland, he's been doing this thing called this Easter production around the country for 15 years. It's called The Thorn. When I, when I, when I moved to Colorado in the year 2000, he was my first boss. And uh, he was 31 at the time. And I thought he was like, you know, this, I, I thought he was old, you know, at the time. I was like, oh, he's kind of this old youth pastor. Why are you still in youth ministry? You know, like... And uh, but man, every time I go out to coffee with him, I left feeling like a million bucks, like ready to take on the world. Like I had this dream in my heart. Like, like at that time I, I told him and I, had a, I told him, I said, I got this dream. Like what if instead of gathering teenagers for concerts, what if we gathered teenagers to just worship and pray and get on our face before God? And I had all these other people that kind of laughed at that. And I remember, you know, this guy, he was just like, yeah speak life every time I get around especially in honestly a season where I didn't know anybody and I was new to Colorado I was new to the town Renata and I we we were just trying to kind of make new friends and every time I get around this guy in that season where I felt like there was a lot of a lot of challenges and I remember getting around him and there was life my prayer for us is that we'd have a culture where we build each other up through constant encouragement. We're going to live in a culture that says, speak your mind, tweet it. If it's in ya, straight up individualism, narcissism. If it's in you, you should say it. You should tweet it. You should comment, cause it's you. Mm, but we've died to us, right? Like we're, that's not quite how we live. That whole speak your mind, we want to speak the mind of Christ. So we're living from a different well. It's not the words of death. It's the words of life. It's Jesus at work inside of us. And so my prayer for you and for me is that when undoubtedly we face those difficult moments where we want to just lash out, just, just say it, I want, to, I want to give you permission to say it, to vent to God. Like let him be the first person you go to. I know you've got your person. We always say that. Well, you're my person. You're the person I could say anything to. Okay, okay, okay. And I'm not saying you can't have that. Not an issue of if, but an issue of order. The first person you go to, I wanna invite you, with your angst, with your pain, is God. He can handle it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna articulate the pain that you possess... Isn't it far better to articulate it and say it to someone who has transforming power? Like, isn't it better to say it to someone who has the opportunity, the ability, I mean, omnipotence, he hears every prayer. He's the one that can do something. So our temptation is to take somebody and just speak our mind. Go ahead, speak your mind, God first. Here's where I'm at, God. This person wronged me, this person. I mean, you find it with David. Psalm 3, Psalm, Psalm 10. I mean, David is, we call him the Psalms of Lament, where David just takes it and he says, God, crush the teeth of the wicked. What he's doing, destroy is, that. Is and I think it's beautiful because we come before God, and, man, someone wrongs you, someone, someone, someone hurts you, someone takes out their verbal sword and slices you. And you're bleeding. And we live in a culture that says, slice back, speak your mind. But Here's the challenge. as Christ followers. Okay. I feel these things. That's real. And I'm going to take that. And I'm going to take it to you, God. And you're the one that can bring transformation to me. And you're the one that can actually work for them. And your pain and anger actually... <laughs> doesn't create division between you and them or you and God. You go to God first and you end up closer to God and closer to them because you end up getting God's heart for them over time. So that's the dream. The dream is, okay, you've got a, you've got a tongue. You've got the opportunity to speak words. Let's go to God first. Let's run to him. Let's, I want to even say it this way. Let's, let's vent to him. Get alone with him. work it out with him first, then even even your accountability group looks different. Even the person that you wanna share or what you're going through, it's got some hope at the end because God will do something unique in your heart. God will help give you his perspective. And so when we got that, when we live that way, then what's coming out of radiant culture, Jesus culture, us is Life, it's constant words that bless, words that speak life into people. And the broken, hurting city that needs not another person to speak their mind and tell them, but a person that speaks the life of Jesus in their broken moment, and they'll see Jesus through us. And in the process, we won't end up dead. We'll end up with life. We'll be perpetually encouraging one another, and this will be a place that we love to go to. Man, because when you're around here, you experience life. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To learn more and to join our Radiant family, check us out on social media and online at radiantchurchkc.com.